Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Capitalize Your Fridays. I'm Mike Williams, founder and president of Altius Financial, and I'm joined by my co-host and associate, Taylor McGowan, our senior wealth design specialist at Altius Financial. Say hey, hi, everyone. Taylor. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say hi. I beat you to the point. <laughs> yeah. Today's episode is credit score craziness. It's interesting to see how much of our spending and large purchases these days revolve around taking out debt and checking your credit score, making sure you qualify for the debt and getting the best interest rate you can. It's also interesting to know that while a credit score can make a huge difference in your day-to-day -day living, Many people don't even know what the heck it is. So we're going to spend some time today talking about credit scores, clarifying what it is, what's a good score to have, where to find the information, and how to even improve your score. Yeah. Before we dive too far into that, I just want to do a quick reminder. Got to give you guys our disclaimer. So this is not supposed to be direct advice. We recommend reaching out to your financial team. If you don't have a financial team, definitely reach out to us. Taylor at Altius Financial or Michael at Altius Financial. And feel free to check out our website. We have plenty of free resources there as well. And it's kind of a good place to get a feel for how you like Altius and Mike and I. So www.altiusfinancial.com. So let's, let's talk about credit scores. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you know the history of the whole banking credit industry. But for our purposes, we're, we're wanting to just talk about how what a credit score is, what it really means to someone, how do they get one or how do they find out what it is and talk a little bit more generally about it. Yeah, definitely. I think if you know more of the history, I think to me, I've experienced credit scores and the perspective of, okay, I grew up with my parents always saying, make sure you pay off your bills on time. So you have a good credit score. And then I had the whole process of, okay, when you apply to rent somewhere, you have to they look up all your credit information, which is crazy because you're not, they're not lending you money, but they are kind of getting into a contract with you to say, Hey, is this person going to pay their rent on time? Let me check and see if this is a person that would be good to lend to. As a renter, you may not feel like they're lending you money, but as a landlord, I can tell you, I feel like I'm sort of making sure that someone will pay their bills and also whether they're, because what you do is you know, if you have a house that you're renting to someone and let's say the house is, I don't know, three or $400,000, I mean, that three or $400,000 is an asset that you're putting at risk, so to speak, when you turn the keys over to a renter. So that's the way they think about it as a landlord. You know, maybe I'm, I'm not lending you three or 400,000, but that asset itself is at risk. So that's why they're checking into it some. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So do you have more history on the background of where credit scores started? You know, I don't. I, I, I brought that up and I thought, heck, I don't know anything about credit score history. <laughs> That's not true. I know a lot about money and banking and the history of, of how our financial system evolved, but I don't, I should actually do a little more research on the history of those specific credit scores. I do know that, you know, sometimes people think that credit is something somebody gives you, like a bank gives you credit or a credit card company gives you credit. And I do think that's the wrong way to think about it. Credit is something you earn. You know, it's it's your track record or your character or you know those kinds of things that that you use to earn credit with someone else. Whether it's you know someone who's lending you money or somebody who's 
trusting you with their, you know, their rental property or whatever it is, you, you have to earn credit in the financial world for someone to, not always. I mean, there are family members who might loan to you and say, it's because of our relationship, but more often than not, investors want you to prove that you have some credit worthiness and that's something you've earned versus something they give you. And that's the history of human relationships in one sense, you know, just being able to trust somebody and that they're going to do what they say they're going to do. Yeah, definitely. I did Google just because I thought, okay, crap, I prepared for this. And why did I not think of the history? (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking, okay, people need to figure out what the credit score is, how to make it better. If there is, is okay. According to Google and i I think Google's pretty reliable. <laughs> well, it can um, be. It depends on the topic, but I, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I bet you're right. Whatever you're going to read off is going to be useful. They're saying that FICO scores were introduced in 1989 by FICO, which is Fair Isaac and Company. Mm-hmm. I did know that. I did know that so acronym. And, but I thought it was older than that. It's interesting because you know the, the, we've become more of a debt society that's based on debt versus, you know, paying things for cash. And it's partly because we, we realize that, okay, our earnings are, can be pretty high and we want to live a better life right now. And so we don't want to wait and to save it all, you know, save through, like in that case, I said with the house, three or $400,000, I don't want to save all that money. You know, it might be uh, half middle age before I can buy a house. I want to actually live a little bit better life or buy a car right now versus have to save up for it. Yeah. That's good and bad. I mean, I, I think there's, some commentary that you know could be made about how much a person should borrow, but that's that's part of the history as well. We've become more of a society that says, "Well, I want to live better today, and I can afford it based upon my earnings versus what I've saved." But it sounds like the the credit scores themselves are are much more recent than I would have even said. Yeah, I would have guessed that they were around forever. <laughs> I don't know, and this is me assuming, but just because. I was born in the 90s, so 1989 is right before that. I'm thinking you probably bought your first car without needing a FICO score. Is that correct? I did pay cash for my first car, okay. so I didn't borrow any money. Now, that's a whole different story if we want to go into my first, <laughs> my first car, which was a mistake. And that was, but you know, that's, that was one of the best learning lessons I could have had is buying a crappy car. And then never in my life after that would I you know, buy something that wasn't reliable, but that's different than credit scores. No, but I pay, I pay cash for my first car. Okay. I guess I was just thinking you would have had an experience possibly lending prior to credit scores. Yeah. You're just trying to say to our audience politely, Mike's an old guy and he was, <laughs> he was, he was borrowing money or making financial transactions well before the Fair Isaac Corporation <laughs> came along and invented the credit score. Well, let's talk about what this is. It's a credit score is a three. Lots of people know this, but just to remind them, a credit score is a three-digit number on a scale of 300 to 850. This is the Fair Isaac score, the FICO score that estimates how likely you are to be able to repay borrowed money. So essentially, if you have a higher score, you're considered by the bank or the credit card company as to be a better risk or a safer person to lend money to than if you have a low score. So if you have a low score, they think you're maybe not a deadbeat, but they think you know, you're less likely to pay it back. And so a higher risk, and that may mean they're charging you higher interest, or maybe they'll deny you credit for a bigger loan, right? Yeah. And while we're on the topic of that, so people are probably saying they're going, well, 
my score doesn't seem that high. Is is my score low? I did kind of list out the low to high scores here. So if you're at a 300 to a 620, that is what they would call bad. So you're, that's, they're simple terms. They've got bad, fair, good, excellent. So if, if you're in the bad range, you really want to see if you can bump up your credit. Otherwise, you're going to have a hard time trying to get a loan for especially unsecured debt. So stuff where there's not a physical item that they can take away from you. But you'll still have trouble trying to get like a house or a car or even renting will likely be a struggle. So when you said unsecured, I mean, you know, if they're lending you money for a house or car, they could take the house or car back. Yeah, so but unsecured what... like credit card debt. So sometimes you see these flashy credit cards on commercials where they're saying, oh, you need this. It's got the best travel points. You, the card's heavy. It's black. We're going to send you. You'll get the fancy room to go in before you're flying, that kind of stuff. The stuff like that, typically they will say you need a credit score of blah, blah, blah or above. And oftentimes it's within that excellent rate in order to get those good ratings and those good perks. It is interesting how they use that marketing thing. You know, you mentioned like a heavy card or like a elite status. I remember, you know, I worked for uh, when I first started my career, it was with the American Express, a financial advisor, part of American Express. And American Express was famous for kind of saying, we're a cut above, you know, we're, you can be a member, you are special because you have this kind of credit. You're among the elite out there. And don't you want to join our club? And, you know, you get to carry around this green card or even, you know, platinum or gold or whatever it is. And, and they market it that way to say, if you can qualify for one of our special cards or our card, then that means you're a special person. And by implication, you have more character and you're more likely to, to pay these things back. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't necessarily mean you're a better person or it, it doesn't even necessarily mean that you are better with finances. It's um, just this. But the odds are. But the odds I mean, the, are. If you the odds are that means you're, prob you're probably more likely, both you have the willingness and the ability to pay the loan back uh, easier than someone who's got a lower score. Yeah. And then, so just kind of going up the ladder there. So you're past the 620, say you got to 621. Between the 621 and 699, so just below 700, you're still at that fair range. So that's still going to make it difficult to get any kind of credit, any kind of loans that you're looking to qualify for. Maybe you're going to get it, but you're going to pay a much higher rate. So if, if you've been listening to the news lately and everyone's saying we're in record high or record low interest rates right now, you might not see that same interest rate if you're in this lower or fair credit rating. Jumping up, once you hit that 700, you kind of get into the good range. So it's not great, but hey, it's good. And you're going to get much easier to qualify for credit. And you'll definitely get better rates than the other two categories. So that's 700 to 759. Once you surpass that 760 point and get your way up, trying to get towards 800, 850, that's when you see what's called excellent credit. So that's where you generally qualify for all the perks and the lower credit rates. And you're more likely to qualify for what loans you apply for, depending on the extent of the loan. Maybe you have an 850 credit score, but maybe you can't afford a loan. You can still get denied loans. It's You're just having a much higher chance of actually getting through to that. So that person with an 850 might have had a really sterling track record of paying things back and really managing their credit appropriately, but for their income. And you're saying 
if someone is trying to borrow much beyond their income and yeah. ability, then then they still might not qualify, even though they have a great track record and their score is high. Exactly. Yeah. So how do they come up with this score and who, who uses it? Who comes up with it? I mean, we talked about Fair Isaac, this company who, did, who invented the score, but who... Who uses the information? Who, who, where do they get that information? Uh, wh- wh- where does that all come from? Yeah, so there's three primary credit bureaus. Those are Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. There are other credit bureaus, but those are the three largest ones. And most of your information goes to and through those. And essentially what they do is they gather all of your information. It's as creepy as it sounds. They are holding your, all of your past addresses, your social security number, your birthday, and all the debts and accounts that you've set up. Now I'm and- confused why you'd say creepy. I mean, because you're you're <laughs> from the millennial generation who has no problem signing on all these little apps or whatever and says, you can watch how I interact online. You can watch all my shopping. You can do all that kind of stuff. That, that's much creepier than the, the credit agencies, is it? Or is it the same basic thing in your mind? I feel like social media, I guess I go into social media thinking, hey, I'm giving everyone my information anyways. Like I put this in here. I could put a fake birthday. They're still going to give me a Facebook. I could put a fake address. Still going to give me a Facebook. I can put whatever I want, real or fake. It's going to be out. Well, there, so you're saying you have you can commit fraud and they'll still do business with you? Is that what no. you're saying? <laughs> what I'm saying is... Because that is, you right? I mean, if you give them everything. So like when I first set up my first Facebook, I said I lived in Delray Beach, Florida. And that's where I was born. I did not live there. I lived in Texas at the time, but I loved Florida. And I was like, this is my connection back to Florida. (laughs) Plus no one's going to hack me because I don't even live there. I don't think I even had to put a full address. I just had to put a a zip code. Mm -hmm. And so it said, oh, she's from this area. I wasn't from that area, but I was kind of. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that is is the interesting thing. Like it's real. Yeah. Unless you're hacked. Yeah, and you're right. They, and they're tracking as best they can to be able to s- determine, you know, what your life is like and how you operate and what your character is and and whether they can track you down if they need to as far as uh, collecting on a debt. Yeah. But that's, it's interesting. Maybe we should do a, an episode <laughs> sometime about that, the creep factor in all of our uh, financial and social media transactions. That's That's for another episode, right? Yeah. I think to me, the creep factor is Equifax got hacked. And so I think, okay, well, they got hacked, but they have all my real information. It's not just like, I'm not giving my social security number out to social media, but I have to, if I buy a car and I use a lender for that. So it's just a slight different risk. Absolutely. But yeah, so those are the three primary ones. And then they're passing that information forward to you, to your bank, to your lenders. And it really just depends. You can do what's called like a soft poll where you just log online And I know through COVID, they were offering free checks. So you can go in, set up your account and check all of your credit information for free without running like a hard credit check. And that's kind of just a great way to see, hey, where am I? Is this information correct? Did someone, did someone steal my identity? And do I need to get something fixed here? So what happens if I have a crappy score? You know, my score isn't in the 800s or whatever, or maybe it's, you know, below 700. Did the, did the lenders look at anything else? I mean, did they just look at that you know, numerical score and say, ah, he's a deadbeat or he's no good, or we're not going to, we're not going to lend him money. He can't qualify. Or do they look at anything else besides that, that score? 
Yeah. So typically they look at a lot of stuff. They'll look at your income history or your work and job history. So if you've been with the company for a long time versus if you just keep jumping around, they'll typically look at what's called a debt to income ratio, but it really just depends on what lender you're working with and what kind of debt you're trying to take on. So if you're looking for a house, they're going to take all of your information on basically everything. I did the process to go through and learn like what lending takes and they took everything. Like where I'd lived most recently, my bank accounts, my spending history, they've got just basically everything there. Whereas if you're applying for like a credit card, typically they'll come in and maybe if you're already with this bank, they'll just grab your information and then go from there. Oftentimes they'll look at more than just the credit score. And then you have also a kind of a backup option is if you're really not having the best credit score. And if they said, Hey, we like you, but we're not going to give this to you right now. You could get a co-signer. So oftentimes if you're a teenager and you have no credit history at all, and you're getting your first credit card, a lot of times a parent or an aunt or uncle or a grandparent will sign on to that with you. But I do want to make sure I know that adds risk for the co-signer. So if all of a sudden your parent gives you a credit card with a $5,000 limit and you go on a shopping spree and then decide not to pay it back, that's putting that parent at risk. Well, and even if you don't, even if you don't go on a a shopping spree, but that just adds another account that is part of their credit score now if they co-sign on it. And so that can impact their ability to borrow money as well. Um, Obviously, the credit that we're talking about, again, isn't something that your aunt or your or your father or your parents give you, you have to earn it. Um, they may give it to you without earning it, but I want to emphasize that credit is something that's earned. And the score is going to have an impact for whoever signs onto debt. So if, if you have co-borrowers, co-signers for a loan, it's going to impact their debt as well. Yeah, definitely. What else impacts the number itself? So there are kind of five key aspects that impact what this number is. And they break it down into percentages as well. I'm going to list them from highest to lowest. So the first one is the most obvious thing. 35% of your overall score is based on you just paying your bills on time. So if you're constantly putting money onto a credit card and not paying off that full balance at the end of each month, that's going to definitely have a, a large impact on what your credit score is. The second biggest one, which these two take up over half. So the second biggest would be 30% and it's credit utilization. So that word probably sounds a little confusing, but if you take up how much you're allowed to use versus how much you actually use, I made kind of a little example somewhere on here where I said, okay, so let's say you have one credit card and you have a $5,000 limit on that credit card. And you put all of your expenses through this credit card. You paid off every month. But each month, maybe your your expenses are like $3,000. Maybe you've got a really big mortgage or a really big like rent expense. And so you've got quite a bit of money going onto that card. Essentially, that $3,000 a month is using 60% of your credit card utilization. So you're $3,000 out of $5,000, you're using 60% of your total debt amount. Now, if you got another card of 5,000 and you still were only using 3,000 per month, but now your total limit between the two cards is 10,000. 
that would cut your credit utilization in half and bring it down to a 30% utilization. Still kind of high, but the, the recommended amount that these bureaus want you to use is between 10 to 30. So 30 is kind of the high end of what they want you to be spending. So Mike, as I was saying, your credit utilization, having more cards or having an overall credit limit amount that's higher and then not using all of that, using 10 to 30% or less is a good strategy to make sure that that 30% of your credit score isn't dropping due to spending too much. Then 15% is your credit age. So essentially, if you got a card in high school and you're holding it all through college, that's about maybe 10 years possibly of having that credit card. So that looks better than if you just got a card fresh out of college or fresh into college and you've only got those four years. So eight years versus four years looks better when you have eight years of history. So the trick for this is you just want to hold your cards for a long time. So if you're not wanting to spend on that card, you can cut it up, put it in the drawer and not deal with it, but not closing it helps with your credit score. That always confused me. I mean, if you, if you wanted to close the credit card because you thought, okay, well, I'm going to be responsible and only have so many cards or I don't like this card anymore, but I want to use it and you close it, they penalize you for that. And that always, like I said, confused me, but from their perspective, you, you can see that they're trying to do a, a calculation based upon the credit that you have open and whether you keep it going but managed it responsibly. So it's weird. Yeah, it's definitely weird how they come up with all of this. I get it from the perspective of they want you to hold a card for a long time or hold a loan for a long time. But I think there should be more of a sway towards, hey, let's get this paid off, chop it up, be done with it. But that is not Well, that case. goes back to my original point about the banks and the credit bureaus are in the business of selling loans. Yeah. And so they have incentive to say our whole credit history scoring process is going to be, give you incentive to keep borrowing. That may not yeah. be in your interest to keep borrowing, Yeah. but they have an interest in saying, we want you to keep borrowing. So keep those cards open. We don't want you to close credit down. We want you to have more credit. We just want you to make sure you pay it back. Yeah. No. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's weird how they do that, but I guess it makes sense. Their, their business is to have you keep taking out loans. So they want you to keep, keep borrowing, keep going. Ironically, I'm going to jump to the last one, which is 10%. The last two are both 10%. Recently applied for credit actually deducts your score. So they don't want you to close it, but oh gosh, if you apply for credit, you're going to get a, a little jab there too. And I think this is partly because they don't want you applying all over and just jumping into a bunch of different loans. But I, I don't fully understand that one. I did speak with a mortgage lender who told me that once you do get that hit, you're only going to get it once per month. So if, if you apply for credit in one month or apply for like a hard look over your credit score to qualify for like a mortgage or something large like that, if you're not sure that you want to work with that specific lender, you can do multiple in that month without it multiplying the dings onto your credit. But if you do it this month and then you do it again next month, you're going to have these subsequent dings. So 
Yeah, that's and that's another sort of trick to make sure you're managing your credit that way and just being real cognizant of the way they do it. And it's partly because they don't have the ability to sit down, whoever's really taking the risk, because there's multiple layers of of people who are involved, and there's ultimately someone who's taking a risk. It's their money, right? They're, mo- they're actually loaning you the money, but it's yeah. it might be a collection of investors, a collection of depositors, lots of different people who are actually loaning you you and others money. And so they don't have the ability to sit down and look at you in the eye and say, this is a person who's going to tell me the truth. And here's a person who's of character and who's going to pay us back. So they're trying to collect all this data. And that's just another data point. If someone's applying for lots of new credit over the course of multiple months, then the algorithm and the math tells them, well, that may mean they're trying to live beyond their means or doing something that isn't going to be helpful to paying us back. So yeah. that's why it's going to ding you. And then the last 10% goes to credit mix. So I remember experiencing this personally when I went to go get my first car, I was telling them, Oh, I'm, I think I was like an 840 credit or something like something really great where I was super excited. I was like, I'm going to get the best deal ever. And they advertise this on their website. So I'm definitely going to get the lowest interest rate. And I went in and they said, oh no, well, you you only have credit cards. You don't have any other like debts on file. So even though my credit score looked good, I didn't have enough credit history to get that lowest rate, which and is it kind diversified. of interesting. It diversified. Yeah, it wasn't diversified enough. Yeah. We talk about diversification with regard to investments, but it also kind of is with regard to your debt. And we've talked about diversification with regard to tax treatment and stuff like that. There's lots of different ways you can think about diversification. And they think about that too. If you have all of your credit is in a certain area, then that can hurt you. And if versus having lots of different kinds of credit, whether it's car or loan or credit cards or whatever it might be. But I wouldn't tell you guys, since that is one of the lowest percentage options, I wouldn't say go take out debt on everything just so you have more diversified debt. This is kind of like the tax tail wagging the dog thing. Don't let the credit card score tail wag you to make you take on more debt than you want to or need to or feel comfortable doing so. This is just meant to be informative so that you're aware that, hey, having different types of debt can impact your score. So what about finding your score? I mean, we've been talking about this three-digit score how do you get it? What do you do to find out how you rate? Yeah. So with most things, you want to go direct to the source. So if you check out one of those three credit bureaus or all three of them, you can get a free credit report and it'll go through, here's what your score is. Here's what any kind of debts are. Here's where you live. It'll have basically your whole financial picture from a lending perspective and a living perspective on one sheet. And that's really where I would say is your first shot. I personally go to my bank just because it's convenient. I don't have a lot of different credit card type accounts. And so I know that my credit is hopefully somewhat similar to what the bank is telling me because that's where most of my lending and debts are held. Now, when you say go to the bank, do you you actually literally drive to the bank and go in and say, (laughs) can I get my credit score? Or what do you mean get, get it from your bank? Yeah. So I use Wells Fargo. This is not an ad for Wells Fargo. They've been good at some things, not great at others. Um, but I have an app. And so I assume most, most millennial or Gen Z type people probably have a banking app of some sort for whatever bank they use. And mine, there's an actual button that says, 
planning, click to your FICO score and it'll pull up my FICO score and it'll have notes on here's what you did good, here's what you did bad, ways to make it better. And so if your bank has that, it's probably pretty accurate. I wouldn't say that it's as accurate as your actual looking at the credit bureaus, but it's probably somewhere in the realm of close to what your score should be. So if I don't have the app, I can't find out? It's on the website too. So if, so I, don't, if I don't use uh, electronic banking, go if I just bank in person, mm-hmm. <laughs> can I go to my bank and get my score? I would assume so. I bet it might be tough. I don't know. I've never tried yeah. that. I do. I use their app too. And, but I was just curious. I mean, for someone who's not you know, using, and, and this is part, I think, of their marketing effort to make it easy for you to use the bank. They have apps and use websites and so forth, make it convenient. And that saves everyone time, which is a wonderful convenience. And it's a way to encourage you to borrow more money, yeah. right? To be able to say, okay, I can get my FICO score and wow, <laughs> I've got a pretty good score. Maybe I'll go out and borrow some money today. <laughs> Yeah. I need a new XYZ thing. I need a new car, a new house. Or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's all part of yeah. a, a system designed to have you borrow more. Yeah. And then I think we were going to talk about there's other sources as well. You know, there's third-party sources that they can gather some of that information. They basically pay the credit bureaus to kind of get your, uh, at least some sense of what your credit score is. I mean, we've got Credit Karma and places like that that could get a score, but they, they might have a little bit different methodology or way of reporting that, right? Yeah. So I would be careful. I was informed that Credit Karma is on a higher scale. So essentially you're likely to get a score that is higher than what you'll see when you go directly to like a FICO credit score. So maybe it says you're at 800, but maybe you're closer to 750. It can be fine if you're just checking in on your own and you're not looking to do any lending anytime soon. But if you are saying, Hey, I need to buy a car. I need to go apply for a rent. Isn't that weird how that works though? <laughs> they got a higher score. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I know there are clothing companies who are now changing their, you know, sizing, you know, like, like mm-hmm. I, I normally wear a pair, pair of uh, jeans. that's uh, say a 34 waist and maybe I can get a pair of jeans from Levi's or lucky jeans or whatever for that, that says that fit, but it says, 32. Right. And so it makes yeah. me feel better. I'm, I'm not as bad as I thought I was or whatever. I've got a yeah. smaller waist or whatever. And they're doing that with golf clubs now. I'm, this is kind of a rabbit really? hole, but they're starting to do that with golf clubs where they, they put a certain kind of loft on a different club. And so you think you're hitting, you know, a shorter club for the same distance than some other golfer. It's like, I can hit as far as this person with a nine iron or whatever it is. They're starting yeah. to do that with golf clubs. The companies who are now even going further and saying, no, this is actually what the loft or the angle on the golf club is. That's a more honest way of saying, you know, cause it's, you know, literally a, a scientific measurement of what the loft on the club is versus just telling you you're, you're hitting a nine or eight iron, but it's kind of interesting how they manage that. You know, the credit karma might say, well, on our scale, you have a, you know, an 800, but on the real FICO scores, that, that might be closer to 750 or something like that. Right. Yeah. And making you feel better. But I just say, it's all about making people feel better. I think they're saying, oh, well, we've got consumers. We want the consumers to be happy, to keep coming back. They likely have ad sales on that. I would assume since it's a free program. So they get more ads. If you, if people come back and say, oh, my credit looks good. I had a good day. (laughs) And that's all just, you know, not that we're saying these companies are manipulative or anything. They're just, you have to just be responsible yourself in realizing that they are selling something. And when they're selling something, they're going to, to make it look attractive so that you buy it 
uh, whether it's more and better credit so you can borrow more or whatever it might be. Yeah. So just kind of wrapping up the whole concept of, okay, how do I improve my score? Since your largest impact is on whether you pay your bills on time, step one is set yourself a budget and pay your bills on time. Don't take out credit card debt unless you can pay it because otherwise that's going to be your biggest ding on your credit card. Next, credit utilization. So make sure you're staying between that 10 to 30% range. Figure out, I mean, you can usually log into your bank and it'll say, this card maxes at 3,000 or five or 10 or whatever your card is. And then say, okay, well, what is maybe 25% of that? And if you try to barge it around 25% or less of those, then that'll keep you under that 30% range. Credit age. So hold on to your accounts. It's not going to kill you if you close an account. If you have a problem with spending too much on credit cards anyways, it'll be smarter for you to close your account. But if you're fine just holding on to the credit card itself and paying off the others one by one, then just keep those open and hold on to that. Credit mix. Try and see if you can diversify. Once again, don't let this sway what you're doing. Don't take on debt that you don't want to take, but hey, if you're going to get a car and you're going to take a loan, this is something to be aware of and say, hey, here are different ways that I am diversifying my credit mix. And then lastly, don't apply for a ton of different credit cards all at once and don't apply for a ton of different loans all at once. If you are applying for a mortgage loan, you can do a handful in one month without it doing multiple dings. But otherwise, just be cautious because you will have dings on your credit for those up to 10%. It's important for people to recognize what credit is. You know, it's borrowing money uh, or having the ability to borrow money and they want to do it responsibly within their income and in the context of a bigger financial plan, knowing what their longer term goals are, thinking long term, delayed gratification. Those are some of the big picture concepts within the context of trying to figure out credit that we advocate for and and having a plan. So that's a big, big piece I would add to that. Yeah. So thank you everyone for listening to our podcast. Just a quick reminder. We are currently in week 26 of our 53 week challenge. We invite you to follow, like, subscribe, friend us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. All of our platforms are saved as Altius Financial. That's all typed in one word. You'll see our logo as our profile picture on all of the options. So this week's challenge was to reach out to the fathers in your life. So maybe that's your dad, an uncle, a grandparent. Maybe it's a close friend. Maybe it's a boyfriend or a dog dad. We're not going to discriminate. We would just want you guys to reach out to those that you're grateful for. And not to totally jump the gun, but we did kind of time this. So next week, week 27 is credit score check-in of our 53-week challenge. So where is your credit score at right now? Did this podcast inspire you to go to the credit bureau and see what's what's on your credit report? Where's your rate at? Is it higher or lower than it was the last time you checked it? Do you have something big coming up that you need to have a better credit score for? Hopefully this was a helpful tool for everyone to kind of work towards growing their credit score. And as always, feel free to reach out to us if you have comments or questions or even thoughts for future podcast episodes. Once again, Michael at altiusfinancial.com or Taylor at altiusfinancial.com. Thank you guys for joining us. Have a happy Friday and a great weekend. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. 